You're listening to The Contract Playbook, your on-the-go resource for tackling contracts in your online creator business. I'm your host, attorney Casey Handy-Smith. Let's get into it. Hey, hey, welcome in to another episode of The Contract Playbook. Today, I want to talk about the very first step in your contract strategy. If you've listened to the last couple of episodes of the podcast, I talk a lot about how important it is that you have an actual strategy to approaching contracts in your online business. It's really the only way that you can simplify this process and ensure that you are legally protected with solid agreements that protect your IP and everything that you're doing in your online business. So today I want to talk about what the first step in that actual strategy is. Now, when I say this, you may think to yourself, okay, well, duh, this is pretty obvious, but I want to share some additional things with you on this first point. So with your contract strategy, step one is to actually have a contract. Light bulbs, right? Light bulb moment there. <laughs> Make sure you actually have a solid contract that you're using in your online business for the various things that it is that you're doing. Now, when I say this, I don't mean that you need to run out and go and get custom contracts drafted for everything that you're doing in your business. You don't need to go out and spend thousands of dollars getting custom contracts drafted. Contract templates are perfectly fine for you to use in your business um, in most situations. Of course, there are going to be certain situations where you may need a custom contract and it's really going to depend on your specific situation. But a contract template generally is perfectly fine, but you need the right contract template because let me tell you, all contract templates are not created equal. And so what makes a contract template a good template? This is a question that I get often, not stated this way, but people are typically asking various questions and it comes from this place of, how do I know that this template is actually a good template that's gonna protect me for my specific situation? And so what makes a contract template good is first and foremost, it is specific right? The template should be as specific as possible to what it is that you're actually doing. So of course, it should have all of the basic contract terms that should be in any agreement. And if you've listened to previous episodes, you know that I've shared some resources with you on with a checklist on what it is to look for in every type of contract. So in addition to those common terms that should be in every agreement, a good contract template will be specific to your situation. So for instance, if you are looking to launch a membership and you need terms and conditions for people joining joining your membership, you want to make sure that your contract template has specific terms as it relates to memberships, right? So you want it to be as specific as possible. And the second thing is a good template will be balanced. So balance is really the secret ingredient to making contracts feel truly collaborative. And in doing this, you are really considering the needs of both parties. So there's nothing worse than a contract that only considers one side. It's extremely one-sided. And it just shows that you haven't considered what the other side may be thinking 
thinking what it is that they need to protect themselves as well in the situation. Because nine times out of 10, any relationship that you're going into in your business, you want it to feel collaborative and you want it to feel good, right? And so you can easily do this by having contracts that are balanced, that consider what both parties need. And honestly, when there's more balance in your contracts, there's a lot less to argue about, which means a lot less to edit. Right. So if you are using a contract, maybe this is a contract, you know, internally in your business that you're using. Um, it helps to alleviate, you know, having to do a lot of edits when you're having someone sign. Or if you've received um, maybe a third party contract, even in that context, having a balanced contract that has considered both sides really helps to cut down on any back and forth negotiation that has to happen um, or any back and forth editing that has to take place. And then the third thing when it comes to making a contract not making a contract good, but what makes a good contract template is one that's really designed for easy use. I know one of the most common things that gets a lot of online creators caught up with contracts is that the language can feel very heavy, very difficult to follow and use, and it's completely understandable. You know, when you see contracts that are riddled with these thou shalls, here and afters, um, it can feel like it's written in a completely different language. And so, you really want contracts that are designed for easy use where both parties can actually understand the contract, right? That's going to be more important than anything that you actually understand your own contract because if you don't, it's going to be really hard to legally enforce it if you don't get it. Um, and it's going to be really hard to go into good relationships with people when they don't understand your contracts either. And just another thing I want to add here, oftentimes people feel like they need this type of terminology for their contract contracts to be legitimate um, or to stand up in a court of law. But honestly, most courts actually favor that contracts are written in plain English and that they're simple to use, they're simple to understand, and they have things like clear headings and easily read fonts. And the contract is clearly organized in a way where the average business user can understand the contract as they're going into the agreement. And so those are kind of the main things that I wanted to point out in terms of, you know, what actually makes a contract a good contract. And when you're thinking about getting your contracts in place for your online business and you're selecting, you know, what template am I going to use? You want to make sure that your templates follow that premise, right? That they're specific, they're balanced, and they're designed for easy use. Now, I know that even with having that information, it's not always easy to know which contract template you need, right? So maybe you found a trusted resource and you want to get some templates, but you're not exactly sure which contract template you need for a new offer that you're presenting or maybe new team, team members that you're bringing on in your business. And so I have a good friend with me who's going to um, help me kind of go through some common questions that I receive from customers, whether it's in my Facebook group or it's in my DMs um, that are considering getting contract templates from our template shop, Boss Contract Society, and just kind of having a conversation in thinking about um, what things to consider when you're picking a contract template. So helping you kind of guide in that process uh, so you kind of know what lawyers even think about 
when we're helping steer our clients in the right direction with having the right contract templates. So I'm really excited to have my good friend Quantel joining me on this episode to kind of go through some of these common questions um, and help give you some guidance there. So let's go ahead now and we're gonna we're gonna jump into that conversation with Quantel. Hey Quantel, welcome, welcome. Hey Casey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. Good. Thank you so much for joining me on this segment of the podcast. I'm excited to have you here because today we've been just talking about the first part of your contract strategy for any business owner, whether you are, you know, using contracts as your internal documents or you've even received a contract. The one essential element to get the process started is making sure that you start with the right contract template. And so we've been talking about kind of what that looks like. Like, what does it mean to have the right types of contract templates? And I know that even with that information, a lot of times it can still be really challenging for business owners to really identify, you know, what that looks like in their business. And so I get a lot of questions um, in the Facebook group, um, Instagram, emails, wherever. And so I want to just run through a few of those questions. And so I'm excited to have you here and kind of helping me in that process of kind of going through some of these, some of these common questions. Awesome. I'm so excited to be here. So let's dive in. And the and I think this one is a one that I hear quite often and it's a very good one. So it says, should I use my service provider contract or sign their independent contractor agreement contract? Yeah, this is a good one um, because I know, especially when people are looking um, in the template shop, they're like, okay, I see you have like service provider agreements and you have your independent contractor one. And so I'm not really sure like which template I should go with for this situation. And so I always say like, if you have... um you should always kind of have some standard agreements in your own business. So chances are like when people are asking this question, typically they have like their own independent contractor agreement. That's where they're, that's why they're asking this. But of course, the more that you're working with contractors, especially those who are like very established in their business, like they're going to have their own service provider agreement for you to, to sign. And so in those situations, there's absolutely nothing wrong with signing their service provider agreement, but you do want to make sure that it has all the key language that that contract should have. And so, you know, in a previous episode, we've kind of talked about like what those key terms are to have in contracts. And I've shared like a resource that you can kind of use to navigate that. Um, But the two main things I always like to point out when it comes to this service provider and contractor relationship is making sure that there's a confidentiality provision and that there's a work for hire provision depending on the type of work. And so with confidentiality, when you're working with contractors closely in your business, they're going to be getting information. They're going to get some very privy information that's, you know, unique to your business that you don't want other people to know about. You don't want your competitors to know, you don't want clients to know. And so you want to make sure that there's a strong confidentiality clause in your contract. And so so that's the first one. And then the second one, the work for hire provision. Um, if you're working with a contractor who is like creating stuff for your business, so perfect example is like a graphic designer or a website designer, a copywriter. So they're creating things that are very unique to like your brand identity. Then you want to have that work for hire provision, which essentially is just saying that anything they create, your business will own. Because if you don't have that language, then legally, 
you know, they're going to own it. And so I won't go into all of that, you know, right now, but those are like the two big ones. And so you're perfectly fine to sign someone else's service provider agreement as long as they have, you know, all the general terms a contract should have, but especially those two terms. Um, And so I tell people, if you look at a service provider's agreement and they don't have those key clauses in there, then I point them to, our confidentiality and work for hire template in the in the shop because that one is going to add in those additional provisions that you need to go along with their service provider agreement. Does that make and, sense? Yes, it does. And as far as like protocol for that, when it comes to, like you said, you'll point them to the direction. Do you recommend just, just sending them a whole separate, like the agreement, or do you recommend just adding the clause to their contract, asking them to add the clauses to the contract? Great question. So I tell them, use this as an addendum. So the way that that template is written, it actually references that there's a full service provider agreement that the parties are agreeing to. And this is in addition to that, because I try to do it. I don't want people to have to be doing a whole lot of maneuvering, right? With the templates, like, right. want to stay away from doing too much, like copy and paste and plug in, you know, putting stuff in different spots, right. especially without any type of like guidance behind it. And so um, with that particular template, I always recommend that, yeah, you can actually, it's written in a way where it can be used in addition to their agreement. And it also saves time too, right? Because it's yeah. not like, okay, now we're going back and forth and I'm changing stuff to your contract. It's just like, okay, your contract looks pretty good overall, but I noticed that it was missing these couple of things. And so I have this addendum and it's literally one page. That template is just a one page, you know, document. So it's nothing um, crazy. So that's yeah. awesome. Awesome. Well, that's super helpful. Um, so the next question is, I'm starting a membership community where I will have other professionals provide a service to our members monthly. And like office hours and leading workshops, so she's basically saying she's going to have those professionals come in and do office hours and leading workshops. Which of your contract templates would you suggest to kind of have like guest speakers come in or other professionals come in that she's actually paying? Yeah, this is a great question because a lot of time it really depends on what the goal of the business is long term. So I think a lot of times when you see people with like memberships or coaching programs, it might be kind of like one off trainings that they may have somebody coming in and doing. And so the question and so I hate to you know sound like a lawyer, but it depends, right? It depends on what it is that you're trying to do in your business specifically. Right. So Answering this question, if it's more of like a short term engagement where like they're primarily um, offering like trainings, um, you know, maybe just occasionally, then I would say having like a guest speaker template. Um, that's a good one because it'll cover um, the assets that the speaker is like creating for the membership um, but if it's something where, and it sounds like in her case, it's a bit more of a long-term relationship. Like she's looking to actually have these people kind of be a part of her business. And so if these people are actually going to be a, like a primary part of the business of the membership, and like, they're going to be like regularly kind of holding space, then an independent contractor agreement might actually be a better suit for a situation like this. Um, because they're going to be working like in your company. And so um, that's kind of how I would approach this one. And then with memberships, I always like to make sure we don't forget as well about 
the people who are joining the membership, right? So I know that with this particular question, they're asking about the contract that's needed with the the experts that they're bringing on. Um, but I like to always say, you know, don't forget about your customers as well. So with your membership, you always are going to have that additional contract, your membership terms and conditions for the people who actually join the membership. Okay. So. Yeah, that is super helpful. Um, I think that goes in line with that too, as far as like guest speaking, like, do you feel like, um, it kind of goes hand in hand with your other question too, but do you feel like when it, when hosting these memberships and these workshops and asking when you're reaching out to other people that it's always necessary to have like a contract in place because, you know, recordings are getting, you know, inside of these memberships and like you own whatever they've taught or, you know, you just want that to be clearly understood. Could your membership terms and conditions cover that and then you give that to them or do you feel like a separate agreement is always um, necessary in that case, like when they come and speak? Yeah, that's a good question. I think a separate agreement is necessary because your membership terms and conditions, that's considering the relationship between you and customers. And so like things like you mentioned, you know, recording stuff like that, like the intellectual property provisions and that agreement is going to be different because it's a different consideration than someone who's coming in to speak, right? Like your customers who are coming in, the main thing that you're wanting to protect is making sure that they don't come in and hijack your stuff, right? Like making right. sure <laughs> making sure your stuff is actually, you know, protected, that they know that they can only use this for like their personal use. They can't take your stuff and then try to resell it in their own program or whatever. Um, and so the IP provision in that agreement is going to be different and of course, there's going to also be other considerations in that agreement, like refund policies and just things that are, are specific to customers. And so with the guest speaker um, or the guest expert agreement, it's a it's a different relationship, right? Because you want to still protect the content inside of your membership, but you also have to consider that these people have their own businesses and they have their own material that they're bringing to the membership, right? Like they're bringing some sort of training, some sort of expertise to your community, but it's something that they've likely probably shared somewhere else before. Like it's their IP, right? Like it's things that they've developed, it's trainings that they've developed. And so I always like to say, keep those agreements separate. Don't try to have it all in a nutshell um, because it's different. It's considering different things. And then it, this also makes me think too, and this is something we talk about a lot, like off, you know, off the record, it's just like the implementation component of that as well, right? Because if you're bringing yeah. on a guest expert or speaker, like they're not going through the same funnel or process right. of joining your membership, like a customer would be, right? So right. it's like, where do you even present the contract to them? So that's kind of that, you know, we talk about a lot like that, where contracts and operations like go hand in hand. That's you know? right. Yeah. yeah. That's a very good answer. Thank you so much. And along those same lines, similar to what you previously had with the, you know, what specific things to identify, some people are like, they're not new to this. They true to this, right? So they'll come to you and present their own contract to you, right? Like, are there specific things that people need to like you as the person who owns the membership need to be aware of like before you sign theirs or what did you recommend for that or? Yeah. I mean, so it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with the other question of knowing kind of the, the key terms that should be like in any agreement. So you should have 
an understanding of like what key terms to be looking for when that happens. And so, and I love this kind of follow-up question because, you know, I talk about having a solid contract template as a first start to your contract strategy. It really helps you to even navigate situations where you receive a contract because when you have your own contract and not saying that you have to go and like buy your own contract template right. for every single thing, especially if it's not something you do in your business a lot, right? Right, right. Um, but if it is something you do in your business a lot, having your own template really serves as a guideline for knowing what to look for, right? right. When you right. have a contract from somebody else. So there's definitely nothing wrong with signing that other person's contract. But of course, you want to be aware of the things like we talked about. So like, you know, who's going to actually own the intellectual property? You know, what does that look like? Um, image use is another big one. Like right. what does it look like when we're like promoting this or even using your image, you know, the expert's image, like in your program or in your membership, you know, what does that look like? And so those are kind of the the top ones that kind of come to mind when it Absolutely. comes to like collaborating um, in these like membership or like group coaching type of settings with outside experts. Awesome. That's super helpful. Okay, so this next one is pretty lengthy. So, <laughs> so it says, hi, I'm looking to um, hire subcontractors in my business. So they will be independent contractors who will send a 1099. So first I will bring them in under my company umbrella with my name and my brand. And I want something that says, I promise to do things that the way the company does them, but more legally. That protects my IP, my work. And then we will work together on a project basis. So I will hire them for specific projects and can put the terms in them. This all could be the same thing, but I envision people signing on to work with me and then bringing them in for various discrete projects, usually two to five months for each project. And this would have, um, and then I'm sorry, and each project would have its own terms and dates. So what templates are best for this? Is there anything or something that I should be looking for? Or did I miss anything here? Okay, so with this one, it's always interesting when people ask like these layered questions. And I love the context because it it helps me kind of understand like, okay, what what are your hangups here, right? Because on the surface, it's very much like independent contractor agreement. Like that's what you need. You're hiring people <laughs> in your business to do work, like independent contractor agreement. But I love the additional context she gave or they gave in terms of like um, wanting to... There's a portion that you said in there that brought something else to light. Um, oh, wanting to make sure that that the workers do things like in accordance with their company, right? And so that's always, um, so, okay, so a step back. So to answer the question, independent contractor agreement, like that's the template that you need. And that other kind of concern of like, are they going to do things the way that I do business? This actually goes to a bigger question that I feel like I talk about a lot. Um, it comes up a lot with clients, especially those who are like scaling fast and they're like hiring yeah. team members. This really is now you're, it's more of a question of, okay, is this person an employee or a contractor? Yes. Right? Yes. Because it's, you know, you have to be really careful with contractors that you are not trying to control how they work or um, having certain things in place that would make it seem as though they're an employee. And so, of course, you have you're going to have like 
SOPs and like certain procedures and stuff in place in your business. Like, of course, you're going to have that because you have to be able to train contractors too, right? Like anyone else. So they should know like how your company operates and kind of like your company values and things like that, especially if they're going to be talking to like actual clients. But I always say like, just be really careful in how you're like navigating your workers because there's a very fine line between um, having contractors in your business um, that you want to make sure are following protocol versus having someone who's really an employee, but you're just calling them a contractor on paper. Cause that comes with a lot of, lots of fun legal and tax <laughs> issues there. And so. does. And that can get so, so very um, sticky and hard places when it comes to that. Um, and, you know, I think, Casey, in the future, you could probably just build a list like, OK, do this if you have an employee. Do this <laughs> if you have a contractor. Sometimes people just need that clarity. Um, but yeah, so and she asked, like, you know, what templates outside of that? So in the case that you just mentioned, independent contractor agreement. But like, do you recommend when someone has an employee that they get custom templates when it comes to that or like they seek out professional help for employee agreements? Yeah, I'd like to. So there are templates out there that you can definitely get for employees, but where it gets dicey and where this question becomes challenging is because it's different in every state. And it's not dependent on where the business owner is located. It's dependent on where your worker is located. So when you hear like people talk about misclassifying workers, essentially what it, legally what it is being said is, this person is an employee and you have mislabeled them as a contractor. And there's no contract you can have in place with someone that's going to change that fact, right? So you can have people sign all these independent contractor agreements, but if you're legally treating them like an employee based on the laws of their state, right? So it's not about your state, it's not about where your business is located, but based on their state, you're going to be in some hot water because now they're not being taxed properly there's the potential lawsuits. I mean, and I see this all the time, especially, like I said, with creators who are, you know, they're growing fast, they're scaling rapidly. And so they're bringing different workers in. Um, like, yeah, I just see it all the time. Like I recently just had to refer someone out to um, an employee attorney, you know, in California, because the situation just got so crazy where this person was like, I, you know, they're filing a lawsuit. I was put it that way. They're filing a lawsuit. You know, can't go into details here. But this is something that I see all the time. And yes, when it comes to employees, if you're in that space and you're really thinking about bringing someone on as an employee, or even if you think like you're maybe straddling the fence, if nothing else, make sure you at least get some advice on it. Get some legal advice on it because that's going to help steer you in the better direction, even than saying like which template to use. It's more so of a big picture strategy question and like where is the worker located? Because again, it's state specific. So in states like California, they have really lenient laws that are in favor of employees. And so like I've worked with some creators who are like, I just don't hire people in California, period. Like I don't even work with contractors in California because it's just so like, you know, no, it's not up. But, yeah, that yeah. that's a lot. That is a lot. 
That is crazy. Oh, such a world that like you don't even think about until it's, it, it happens to you, right? That's how legal is in some of our world. That's crazy. And then one final question that we have here is um, I'm trying to decide between an independent contractor agreement and a service provider agreement. What is the difference? What is the difference? So this kind of goes back to like the very first question um, that we talked about. So it's really, it's really not different from a legal standpoint because most of your service provider agreements, especially, you know, so we're talking, of course, in the context of like online course creators, you know, online, you know, creators. So we're looking at it from that context and so say, so we'll just do like an example. So Quantel, you know, you are an OBM, you're a fabulous OBM. Of course you have your service provider agreements that yes. you use with your clients, right? Right. Um, and in your service provider agreement, there's an independent contractor clause in that contract, right? That makes it very clear to your client that I am not an employee. I am an independent contractor. And so you have that language in your agreement to legally show the type of relationship. And there's and a lot of contracts will be that way. So for most, most service providers, excuse me, you're going to have like that kind of clause or language in your contract to make that distinction. It's really more so of like who's presenting the contract. So I would say with independent contractor agreements, it's going to go into a lot more detail about the work relationship, right? Okay. It's going to go to a lot more detail on like what supplies are used, um, you know, how time is handled and things like that. Um, and it's really a solid, great document to have in your own business when you are hiring out and you want to keep things a bit more uniformed. And then, of course, in situations where you have service providers who have no contract at all, right? Because yeah. you also run into that a lot, especially, <laughs> a lot. Like, yeah, especially if you're working with like hourly um, contractors and things like that who may not be um, as established, excuse me, in their in their own business. And so, um, so yeah, so I don't know, hopefully that kind of answers your question. Um, because I, because in both situations, a service is being provided, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you're going to have those service terms in both of those contracts and independent contractor is just the status that you're establishing with that work relationship. So it really, I, again, oh, sorry. I think it goes hand in hand with what you just said, like who at, who's presenting what, like who, who who's presenting it at that point, right? Like to me, what you with what you just said, um, it's better for you to have it within your business, but like as a business owner, you're presenting the actual independent contractor agreement. And then as a service provider, it's more than likely if you are establishing your business, you're the one who's presenting that. So again, like you said, they both legally are covering the service being provided, but presentation, like good to have, and the clause is already in there. So I think that's super helpful. But those were all the questions, Casey. So Awesome. All right. Well, this was this was good. Hopefully this like helps to kind of give a bit more context, because like I said, you know, you may know that it's important that you have legal contracts and that you have templates that are specific or as specific as possible to your situation. But it's not always easy to know exactly, you know, which template you need. And so I'm kind of um, and so funny because I get questions you know, regularly in my inbox and stuff. And I feel like after this episode, there will probably be <laughs> an influx of even more questions. So may have to do something like this, you know, more often just to kind of address those things, but to more people so that we can all kind of learn from 
you know, these common questions that a lot of online entrepreneurs are asking. So, yeah. yeah. And the good thing is that they're asking them, right? Because some people are just flying by the seat of their pants and they are so afraid to just be like, I probably just guessed that. And yeah. I should have waited so, exactly. to get a legal answer. So. Absolutely. There's no such thing as a dumb question ever. And I mean... And it's so interesting too, and I'll, and this is like the last thing I'll say, <laughs> like wrap up, but it's so interesting because especially in the online space, like things are always changing and evolving. And so it is not always common sense of like what template you need. So like, if you have these questions, it's normal. Like it's super normal for you to have these questions because even as a lawyer, like there will be things sometimes I'm presenting with from clients and I'm like hearing what it is they're trying to do. And I'm like, okay. So how like how can we create this new thing right, right to protect their business because you know the law is slow um with how people are really doing business on the mm-hmm. internet and so it's you know the online space is a unique a unique space and I tap into my network you know all the time with other you know lawyers like okay have y'all seen this like what are people you know how can we create some new template that kind of merges some other stuff together right. to make this work so yeah awesome Well, thank you again so much. This was a helpful, like I said, hopefully a helpful conversation for those listening. And uh, yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to do this again. We'll have to chat again. (laughs) You are most welcome. So happy to be here and well, so I'll see you next time. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of The Contract Playbook. If you found this episode to be helpful, please share it with a friend and be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss when we release new episodes every single week. Also, if you're looking for contract templates for your online business, be sure to visit Boss Contract Society. It's our DIY contract template shop for online creators and online entrepreneurs and experts. I'll be sure to share that link in the show notes for you so that you can grab those templates that you need to start legally protecting your online business. Talk to you in the next episode.